You don't just start playing baseball and then instantly make it to the major leagues. You have to work hard to get there. You have to have a game plan to get yourself to be the MVP. The Most Valuable Producers podcast is not for the average agent. You can't be average to become the MVP. Just like in the big leagues. You can't just be a one or two or three tool player. You have to be a five tool player to become the MVP. You can make a difference in someone's life every single day in this job, in this career, in this industry. What's your game plan? This is your host of the show, Mitch Gibson. You are listening to the MVP Podcast. What's going on, MVP Podcast? It is your host of the most, Mitch Gibson, and I have another phenomenal episode. I wouldn't call it a phenomenal episode if it, if it wasn't recorded on my podcast, so I have no choice but to uh, but to say that. But I am now joined. This episode is pretty, pretty exciting because actually a product that we're about to pull the trigger on that I'm passionate about. I love what they're doing. Uh, so we'll briefly talk about what, what they're doing over at Wonderwrite. Uh, here shortly, and then we'll talk a little bit about how we can uh, how we can make life a little bit easier for young agents and producers to go out and sell more business and spend less time doing uh, pointless stuff that can take pointless hours. So I'm joined by the co-founder and CEO of Wonderite, Mr. Peter McDonald. Peter, appreciate you joining the so- show, sir. Yeah, man, happy to be a part. Thanks for having me. After three three or four weeks, maybe even a month of bouncing back and forth of either kids having COVID, us as someone having COVID, staying at home because internet failed, whatever it might have been. Um, I'm glad we finally made made the connection to get this done. And also you're one of your counterparts, uh, Dylan. We, we appreciate him helping us out in the uh, in the long run of this. So what real quick before we get going, just because the weather is so finicky right now in Indiana. I mean, it's supposed to be 70 degrees on Saturday, and we're in the middle of February, into February. It was like six degrees last week with sheets of ice on the road. What's what's beautiful Massachusetts, where you're from, uh, look like right about now? It's kind of weird, honestly. We have this. It's never happened before, but it's it, it, it like snowed a little bit, and then it kind of like was like early. It was like snow rain, and then it like I don't know snowed and froze. So basically, you have like this like layer of like ice everywhere. So like literally, you go to the golf course. You can. We went sledding, wearing jackets and snow pants with the kids. It was a blast. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it was, but definitely we were up in Maine um, this past week skiing with our little ones and it was 56 degrees one day and we're like skiing, like there are people literally in shorts and nothing else. And then the next day it was like eight degrees and freezing. So it was just, it's, it's so weird. And I think, yeah, you and I had missed one of these podcasts because the uh, I don't know, power was out crazy. Free- well, the, it was a freezing. Yeah, it was, we got like, it was freezing rain and then followed by like 13 inches of snow. But then there was a guy, I'm not, I can't make this story up. Everybody. I thought you just didn't I, want to talk to me. No, I promise you. I would have, I would have rather <laughs> did that than experience what I had to deal with all day with no internet, couldn't do any work. And then the kids staying at home on top of that too. But right. I can't make this up when I say that there was a salt truck. The one salt truck that passed through our road a day, the one, only one time he goes down the intersection. He does a little U-turn to turn around. And like, like I said, I'm the only house on this street. There's probably 10 in the vicinity of a mile. And he backs up not only into the ditch, hits the stop sign, tries to power through it and get out, slides the back in and hits the power line knocks the internet or well knocks the power out for like six hours and I'm not, I'm not even kidding it was the most miserable thing i remember taking a video of it and sent it to a couple of people in a group chat and i said guys i can't make this up i'm out of internet i don't have anything i can't do any work and it's a picture of the truck just backed up right into the power line it's it's pretty hysterical. meanwhile meanwhile these power operators are like hey can i just get like a pay-as-you-go policy like just i just want to pay for the one day and you're like dude have you seen what happens when these plows crash a friend That's of mine the guy who did it 
Yeah, a friend of mine literally a couple of weeks ago plow backed into his house and took out the supporting column between his two garages. And he's like, great. Like backed into his with, house. Know? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, it's, it's I don't know. Like, hey, if you're driving behind a plow for a while, it's I don't know, it's not easy work. I get it. But it's just from the insurance side, I mean, it's it's like, yeah, okay. Um, not the best risk. I remember one time at our family insurance agency, we had a crazy snowstorm. One of our clients like came in to pay her her bill. Um and like there was like there's like a big kind of like they were like in the side of like a almost like a highway and she, she kind of like slid into the ditch like a pretty big ditch like and it was really like a photo of her jeep like you know in the ditch right next to our family insurance agency sign like come get Don't worry we've got you covered yeah exactly i, I felt kind of bad but um yes yeah, such as the season luckily no one was hurt and hopefully this the snow the snow driver um hopefully his ego was the biggest thing that got bruised in that escapade Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, speaking of the snow, you talk about it real quick. You just talked about you guys, your family, you take the little one skiing. Is that something that you guys have always done? Have you always been a skier? How many kids you have? And is it pretty difficult? So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm 34 and I have, you know, two young girls, three and five. And um, I haven't been skiing in years. I used to go when I was young, I would skiing, I was snowboarding. And I just haven't been in a long time. And I think two years ago, I was like, honey, to my wife, we're going to go skiing this year. But like, you know, it's, it's like impossible to afford and it takes time and all that. And then um, COVID and all the other things. And like last year we wanted to go, but couldn't go for some reason. And maybe I went for like one half day or something. So this time we went and booked a resort. The resort was totally full. We're like, we're just going to do it for three days with the kids. We don't even know what's going to happen. Like we're probably going to want to kill each other because of like, you know, how it is like pick up a little kid trying to get them to motivate them to get out of slopes. But um, no, we had a great put time. Put skis on or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> put the skis on, put like three layers on. Again, it's eight degrees out, you know, and it's, um, we, we got these like little harness things so you can kind of, you know, control them on like, cool. you know, risk, risk management 101, right? Is uh, sure. prevention. So prevent them from sli- sliding into somebody down the mountain. It's a good time. It's definitely well worth it, but definitely very different um, than like when I was in my early twenties, I guess. Sure. No, I, I probably, I commend you for doing that. Cause I probably won't be taking my kids skiing until they're old enough to, um, to know what skiing means and to control themselves. Cause I probably couldn't be able to control my own body going down a ski slope, let alone with skis or a snowboard on my feet. But I'll tell you though, good, good practice is ice skating and rollerblading. You know, you get your little ones in ice skating and rollerblading. And then like all of a sudden they're on the ski slopes and it's, you know, very similar movement. So. There you go. If you learned anything from this podcast today and you have children or you're on your way to having children, make sure you take them ice skating and rollerblading before you take yeah. them skiing. Yeah. Make sure you enjoy your life before having kids. Absolutely. <laughs> like- Absolutely. Absolutely. Then you have the reverse guy like me who had him when there when he was 19, but we'll get, that's a day for a different story. Okay. Um, you, the funny part about where I'm lead, leading this conversation into this next question, uh, because our podcast and this podcast is tailored towards younger agents, those that are just getting started in the business, Peter, those that are um, new to the industry in general, but kind of know what the industry's kind of forefront is, um, then they just kind of need some path in the lead way. And I, the reason why I started it was because I wish I had something at this, at, you know, to this extent that I could refer back to or refer to and put myself in that person's shoes uh, and learn from them and the guests. So um, we, we talk about how not only is this insurance industry rewarding as it is just helping other people. We talk about how it's financially rewarding in the long run if you play the game the right way. Um, but one of the toughest things I think, Peter, to this day, with younger agents, especially if those that are producing for commercial, um, is the application, a court application process. Maybe that's just me. Maybe it's my ADHD who hates sitting there. Um, 
the importance of time management and understanding how much time to spend on a specific account before kicking it to the side and working on something more profitable. That's going to benefit your time. The product that you guys have built has kind of filled some of those gaps and filled some of those holes. Where was the idea that started that there needed to be something like this? Was it a struggle that you experienced back maybe working out a, as a agent, someone at your counterpart that worked as an agent? Where in the heck did someone, when did, when did you guys decide that this is such a needed thing? Yeah, and, and, and absolutely. I'd say happy to chat about my product, other products that I find helpful. Um, you know, I started in insurance in January of 2011 at my family insurance agency. Worked there for seven years. Um, did everything from cutting the grass on the weekend for extra money um, to, you know, getting my licenses and designations, joining the big I in DC to kind of lobby for five years in a row, just like really learning the industry. And I think that you know, early on, I think maybe my first year I started the CIC journey. I remember taking, I think my first class was like commercial casualty. Um, and it was like, wow, this is like, this is a lot. <laughs> but like, yeah, filling out the accords, I, I literally, I couldn't do it. I had AMS 360. I couldn't figure out how to, I, I couldn't figure out an easy way to do the accords. Um, I've still got it to this day. I'm yeah. still got the AMS 360 gig, man. Yeah. I, I mean, Hey, look, it, it, it's a powerful tool. Um, and we don't have to talk about AMSs, but I will say like, I think we had to like hire a coach to like train, to help train me to figure out. I remember like at one point I was like, I want to, I want to help make a top of stack submission. Like I knew that was a thing, learned that from Roger Sitkins. I couldn't figure out how to do it using the software that was out there. Um, and that was just like one tiny piece of what I do. Cause if you're a young agent, like you don't get paid to fill out forms. You don't get paid to fill out applications. Your customers don't love you for making you fill that stuff out. I and mean, it kind of is a friction point in the relationship. You get paid for relationships and for winning deals and for being an expert at what you do. And like the administrative work of filling out an accord form, it's important to do it. It's important to do it accurately, quickly, and well, and efficiently. Um, but you don't only really get paid for that. That's like a cost of like you doing your business. And so I think when I was trying to build, you know, my book of business, um, I'm guilty like everybody else of like, if you truly talk to the staff, it's like Peter submissions were not great. Like he had the information, but it wasn't in an accord. It wasn't in AMS. It wasn't on the supplementals. It was like somewhere else, was like an Excel spreadsheet or it was in like a notes file or something. And I, I knew there had to be an easier way and a more valuable way to like, to get that process done. Well, the funny thing is, is you said this, like you have the tools, you have the communication skills, you've got the understanding and, and underwriting, like you said, the CI, you, you went through the CIC situation. I mean, you understand how to write insurance and you understand the risk and the total cost of risk in this case. But the, the thing that they, people, other people don't see as a, maybe the, the older generation that i might work for someone else out there that works for, they don't see the value of something like this because that's what they did back in the day. And that's what developed good working habits and hard work, you know, hard work strategies, working on their time management, think, things in that nature. Do you think that this, I wouldn't say it's going to make people lazier. Um, do you think the technology starting to come out and about is going to eliminate the product, the, the work ethic product, and some of these, some of these young agents who may not have a four or five year experience where they had to go through some of those, like maybe go through the trenches a little bit. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, for sure. I think like the, the standard, if you talk to somebody who's in their sixties, who's in insurance, they're like, you know what, back in the day, I got like a notepad and a pen and I was just told to follow along and kind of figure it out. And like, that's great. I think that's like, honestly, I'm a very much like a learn by doing type of person. Um, 
but like it was different back then. You could actually quote like a car insurance policy in minutes because you had the rate books in like your office. Um, and if you talk to these people who did it back then, like they could, they could do the math in their head where they could just tell you almost like on gut feeling and gut read the same way a mortgage originator could like what your rates would be. And it's like, now you have to kind of send it to the black box of like the underwriter, which is some crappy, you know, website. And I, I don't, I don't, you know, not every website's crappy. My friends at openly have some cool software for personal insurance and make it really fast um, and easy. But I think that like for a lot of the carriers that we work with, the interfaces just aren't great. And it's, it's not like they're doing that because they dislike us. I mean, even their internal tools, if you actually go and look at them, like they're not great. They're not easy, especially, or at least compared to like, you know, what you and I are kind of used to having, you know, grown up in the past couple of decades um, where we're just used to having easier tools. So I think like, yeah, that was a great, that was a great thing for the time. Like it, it worked well for them. Um, they could quote a policy quickly, but for us, we have different constraints. Like we have to log into all these portals and we got to do all this extra work. It's just a different time. It is. It's exciting though. It's exciting. I think if we put use to the tools that are out there that were available. Um, and, and I think I talked, I forget who, maybe I've been Ryan, Ron Shore over at Arias and Donna for agents. He would talk about like the tech's great and all, but, but you can't just get the tech and expect the tech to work. I mean, the tech still takes time. It takes work for you to put into it. If you're not going to put time into the tech, the tech's not going to put in the extra effort on the back end for you in the, in the future. I think that goes with anything. So the, the accountability piece is another piece. Like you just said uh, earlier, when you were writing down your prospects or your submissions on an Excel spreadsheet, I mean, an account, the, the accountability part of having a piece of technology to input when you have a customer, you know, the, your, your data points and your uh, CRM, whatever that might be, the technology is allowing you uh, as a producer, the principal agency owners. I mean, the, the accountability piece is kind of scary. If, if you're getting, in this, getting into this insurance industry, don't think it's just going to be some, you know, automated piece that's just going to move, move the process forward for you moving forward all the time. It's not the case. Things update, things need to be changed. Things need to be um, attended to in order for them to work the correct way. Um, as, as you look at the future of tech, um, do you see, do you see the automation piece scaring away people wanting to come into this industry? Cause a lot of things are going, like you said, the, the openlies of the world, um, phenomenal product, right? Great product. But, but when maybe an outside outsider who has not yet came into the insurance industry, or doesn't know what the insurance industry is about, is that, should that be a scare as far as employment goes, um, when thinking about your foreseeable future as a insurance producer? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an insightful question. And I think it was one that I used to fight with and wrestle with a lot when I was an agent. Um, and let me just share an anecdote. You know, I, I had my first kid five and a half years ago. I was like, I need to get a new car. And this was 2016. Um, so I'm in the market for a new car and I was buying a Subaru Outback, which is a great car, um, especially up here in New England. Right. Um, call me earthy, crunchy, whatever. But um I, I was like, dude, Ford's going to have self-driving cars. And like Tesla's going to have like push a button, taxi picks me up. Right. And like you, your Tesla would just like, just come pick. And I was like, the market for cars is going to be like totally turned over in a matter of years. Like my car is going to be like worthless. And like, I, I was just like, I thought that like the world was going to change in a matter of years. And this was going to be like a stupid purchase. And when I was at the insurance agency, I remember Google launched Google Compare in the UK. It was basically like Google flights, but for car insurance. And it was like, oh my gosh, like what if Amazon 
is going to sell insurance. Let's get, let's get ready to happen. Yeah. And then I was in business school and I knew better by then, but Amazon and JP Morgan announced like a world revolutionary changing health insurance platform. And I remember at the time just being like, yeah, like good luck. Like health insurance is complicated. What I know now is that the industry is set up the way it is for economic reasons. The reason there are so many independent agents is frankly because you guys can do it more efficiently than some huge corporation can do it. That's just the reality. You guys are going to get more creative. You're going to be on TikTok, you're going to be on Instagram, Snapchat. You're going to be messaging your friends from high school. You are a more efficient distribution platform that is going to work harder, longer hours without having all the upkeep that a corporation is going to have to do because their expenses would be higher. It's just a more efficient model. And so um, if I was a young agent today, I would not be concerned about that. And it's because, again, of economic reasons. And I think that some of those thoughts that I had about buying a car years ago and how technology is just going to change the world overnight, the same is true in insurance. It's like there's new technology for sure, but those tools might actually leverage the playing field in your favor. Um, I know a young agent who literally runs his agency off of a Google Excel spreadsheet or what's it called? A A Google sheet. Google um, Sheets, yeah, yeah. Google Sheet, yeah. I'm just like, like yeah, Google Spreadsheet, whatever, Google Sheet. Um, he, he runs his agents off of Google Sheet. And it's like, yeah, like there's actually a lot of plugins these days. The tooling that's out there is so lean and so nimble. You can probably run a majority of your agency off of a very narrow tech stack if you chose to, um, especially if you're like a small agency with just a few young people trying to get, get started. And I think if you contrast that with like the people who've been around for 30 years, they're almost stuck in this quagmire of like stuff where it's like, dude, you gotta, you have to like log into a VPN to access like a Windows based thing, and you're like, and they're paying a lot of money for it. And so I think like if you're if you're really if you're really intent about using a very limited number of tools and using them until they break, um, you can have an advantage. Sure. Now, when you were younger as as an agent, a new producer, I mean, did you anything that has stick stuck with you even now? having a tech company, what, what kind of key things as you, when you were doing it as, as a producer, whether that was personal lines or commercial lines? Um, I know I talk a lot about commercial lines on here. It, either Whatever you've got is, is great, but um, what were some you know great either prospecting habits or things that you put into play, um, time blocking, time management, things like that, that helped you succeed and grow throughout the years? Because it doesn't, people, it doesn't just happen over time. And I think you're going to hear Peter say that as well. The consistency of staying, staying, on yourself and the self-accountability. But I mean, what, what things did you experience as a young producer that may or may not have changed or things that you've developed over the time? Yeah. Like nearly everything, right? Like did it for seven years. I learned a lot. And, um, I think the lessons that I learned as an agent transfer so much to what I'm doing now. In fact, I was down at the IAOA in Florida, went to Dave Carruthers killing commercial, you know, I don't know if it was a boot camp or meetup or whatever. And he had a tip where he was like, Hey guys, like I never miss a meeting. Um, people never ghost me on meetings. You know why? He's like, I send out an automatic reminder like the day before and like the day of, and I was like, that's genius. Like, why don't I do that? And it's, that's it, almost like what I'd call like basic blocking and tackling. You know, here's a really good one that I heard early on. I think it's from Dan Sullivan of strategic coach. Have you heard of this before the four habits of referability? I have not heard those yet. 
All right. Not, well, I can't wait. You just per- made me perk up when you said that. All right. Well, like, look at as an agent, like a majority of your business, it probably could come from referrals. I know whenever someone does good work for me, I want to refer them to other people. In fact, there's a person right now who's helped our company. I refer him to everybody because I'm like, this guy is awesome. And I want him to succeed because he does great work and he's helped us a lot. Four habits, referability. I know them. I tell everybody them. It's show up on time. Do what you say you're going to do. Finish what you start. Say please and thank you. Like those four things, if you do them, people will like you. And people end up buying from you and referring you business because they like you. I think early on, I remember talking to a guy in real estate. He'd been in the business. He's probably in his 80s. Super successful guy. And I was just like, hey, like, I was like, Webb, what's the key to your success? Um, like how, what's the key to success in business? I feel like that's, it's like everybody's question, right? You, you want to know like, what's, what's that yeah. key to success? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If you're like a young person, you're trying to figure the key to success. It's like, what's like, what's the life hack. Right. And he's just like, the key is relationships. And I was kind of like, old man, like that, maybe that was true 30, 40 years ago, but now there's tech and like tech levels, the playing field. And like, I can't tell you how wrong I was. It's like relationships are still the key, like to everything. Only thing because, tech did was make it easier. Yeah, exactly. Should be able to connect to more people, right? A- absolutely. So I'd say, like, yeah, I learned about the four habits: referability, learn about relationships. Um, Albert Gray has an awesome piece called "The Common Denominators of Success." This is like a former life insurance agent during, I think, like World War II. Like the lessons from that about, like, if you want to be successful, um, like, look at what ninety-five percent of people are doing and like do the opposite. Um, no, there's just so much. E- even cold calling, honestly. I mean. I had to slave away at cold calling. Um, and I remember like, I just, I had no process. I just, I literally picked up the phone and just called any business in my area. I'm on Cape Cod, which is a peninsula Southeast of Massachusetts. And I literally would just like call any business. I didn't even know what to say. I'd be like, Hey Mitch. Uh, Hey, my name is Peter. I sell insurance. Like, can we talk? And, I, and I'd have some like long spiel that like, it, if I heard it today, I would have hung up immediately. <laughs> um, but like had to learn how to make a cold call. And now like if I, if I hop on a cold call and do a competition, like I'll probably be like more than competitive with some people who are pretty good at that work. Cause I've had to make thousands of calls myself. So I think I learned cold calling specifically Steve Cloyda, unfortunately passed away, but like legendary prospecting expert who just like helped you have a respectful, concise, clear, compelling cold call to get your foot in the door and get your first appointment. Um, That and like, there's probably many other lessons I can share and happy to kind of dive in more about like things that I learned as an agent that has transferred over to my life as like a a founder of a technology company. Sure. Now, I think you'll actually relate to this one a little bit too, because you said the four, you had four, what was was the four again for me? The four habits referability, show up on time, do what you say you're going to do, finish what you start, say please and thank you. There they are. So you've got the four that you live by. I, these are four that, I mean, I guess it's more of a lifestyle living day by day. Um, I actually took this from my college baseball coach. That's the four core values that he taught us every day that require no talent in baseball. And it's funny because it carries over to the real life, carries over being a father, carries over being an insurance agent, carries over sitting on a board as a board president of a local homeless shelter. It does. And it's freaking crazy. It gives me chills thinking about it. My four, those four core values for me are passion, 
enthusiasm, attitude, and effort. Those are four controllables that you can control day in and day out. Nobody else, right? So you can control those four things. Everything else will come with it. So I think we combine the eight and you have a freaking success book and we can write it authored by McDonald and Gibson. That's what I like to hear. But no, I love, I, I love, I love little <laughs> acronyms like that because they, they stick in people's minds. I mean, they do. Something I learned in a college as a baseball player, it may have not made as much sense to me at that time. But as I start having kids, you start growing up, you see everything, you understand why that's so important and what people are teaching you. So that's, that's, that's good stuff. And you know, it's good stuff when it sticks with you these last, what, eight, eight, nine years. I mean, it took some drilling, right? But it's got to be, that's the thing is it's got to be memorable because like our attention span is like 15 seconds, right? And so it's like, you know, reading a 50 page or hundred page book versus four kind of key basic bullet points. But the important thing is, I think, you know, you learn by doing, if you've had the experience of somebody who doesn't show up on time, who doesn't do what they say they're going to do, who doesn't finish what they start and like, doesn't say, please. It's like, you, you, you don't want to do business with that person. Sure. If you, if you put yourself in the buyer's shoes and think about like the last really important time you made a purchase, maybe you bought a car or a home, or maybe you're making like a big, I don't know, whatever the thing was that you were buying for yourself. And you had somebody who didn't do that. They didn't follow up with you. You know, you're just like, gosh, I was excited to like open my wallet for this person. Sure. Um, and, you know, and then think about that to your own business. Um, so even, even if you, that means you have to be more clear with the prospect and be like, you know what, actually I can't help you with X, Y, Z because it's not my area of expertise. What I can do is I can forward you to my friend who's really, really good at that. Um, maybe it costs you an opportunity or two, but be, people will remember you for that, for being the person who like did what you said you were going to do. Sure. It's kind of funny. I had one of those situations today. Um, I've got a pretty good, pretty good relationship with a lot of the state farm agents in my town and even outside of my County. Cause I figure that's a pretty, pretty good niche for me on stuff that they can't write. I'll be able to write. Well, I hadn't talked to this one state farm lady for probably six months and I'm driving to grab some food before I come to record this podcast. And she calls me and it's a state farm agent. She said, Hey, I've got this $56,000 account currently. It had about $200,000 worth of property losses this year because of hail and wind and freezing, whatever it might have been. She said, state farms, non-renewing this on, on the 11th of March. Would you be anxious to take a look at this? Absolutely, I would, right? But it's that that always, I'm at the top of her mind because I've taken care of a handful of her clients. And she knows that if she refers this person to me, that that the customer is going to remember that state of farm agent because he was she was able to find a resolution for him He's going to, she's probably going to continue to keep the big personal lines book or the personal lines business that this guy has as well. And then they'll be all, everybody's happy knowing that they're taken care of. And it goes back to relationships, right? It goes back Absolutely. to relationships. A Absolutely. If I was a young agent today, I, the number one thing that I would do is I would build relationships with centers of influence who can refer me business. And I would have a compelling reason about why they want to do business. Not least of which is I'm the kind of person that you're going to like to spend time with. You're going to like to refer deals to. It's going to add value to the process that you have, whether you're someone who sells cars, is a business broker, like whatever the person is, like I'm the kind of person that you want to spend time with. I'm going to make your life easier and I'm going to make you look better to your clients. I'm going to build those relationships, invest there. And I, I, I think for, for sure you're going to see success when you invest in those relationships like that.
I know it's going to sound cheesy. This is not how I intended to lead in this next to into this next conversation. <laughs> um, but everything that we have just talked about in the last 20 minutes in regards to relationships to, um, you know, finding those mentors and the centers of influence and being at value of them um, with your current customers, showing that you're quick, easy to do business with and know that they're going to get the quality protection um, and value on the back end from you as an agent, where it all starts that's not the finished product of, of getting the book on the business, right? There's that happy medium, that middle that that's missed out. And it's the back to what we're beginning to talk about in this conversation of the show was the app application process, you know, the filling out the apps, the getting the supplements, the getting the signatures you need and getting them back to the underwriter at the insurance carrier to quote the business for you. That all takes what time. Okay. It all takes time. The quicker you get that done, the quicker you get a quote, the quicker you get it to the, to the prospect the quicker they get a decision and say yes to you because you're the first one and you're the first one that's made contact with them. You're the first one that's given them the value. You've brought them a product that's going to help and probably a lot better than the product that they had before, hopefully. Hopefully you're not selling them a crappy product, not better than the one that you that, that they currently have got. Well, as you go through that process, that's all still noted on our clients, our client's mind. Our client's mind is taking notes from the second we make first contact to the life end of the life cycle of that customer. Okay. So you've, you're not like you're walking a straight line, but you've got to make sure you walk a pretty quick line through your process so that you're not boarding them, keeping them waiting, and then not showing up to a meeting, things in that nature is going to all trickle down to not getting business. Um, and if you don't get a chance at a business and you look back and you think, why didn't I get that piece of business? And it comes from the process and the relationship and the fact that you lost that because of either the process relationship and not the, not the policy itself, that's an issue. Okay. So part of where I'm getting at with this, and I know Peter, you're probably like, where in the hell is he going? I've got, I've got a, I've got a peanut mind where it's, it's squirrel runs everywhere. Right. But as we go through the process, we try to make it more seamless. We try to go through it and make it, um, you know, easier for not just our customers, but also for our underwriting team and our people in the office. Your guys' product at Wonder, right? I've demoed it, and I'm not even kidding when I say this. It makes the most sense out of everything out there as far as the application process, the um, supplemental forms, the, any other type of form that you're going to need with, with a customer. Wonder, right, is a product that I think was is so needed in this industry, one. And two, with what I'm going to ask Peter to kind of describe for us is kind of what people can expect if they were to get a demo of Wonder, right, for us uh, without us visually seeing the product. When I was over with Dylan the other day on the Zoom call going through the demoed product, I just was, I was shocked by the amount of forms that were already pre-filled in the, in the process or pre-filled into the software and the platform itself. If you need a supplemental for contractors, subcontractors, whoever it might be, it's probably in there. If you can't, you can upload it and it's all fillable. Each customer has a profile. You can fill it all out and it spits it out in a form where you can you can get it signed and back to the carrier within probably less than 24 hours if you get it done quickly. Peter, give us a little outline about Wonder right before I wear everybody's ears out. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You 
provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him, I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed, let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia, we saw his operation, and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at Virtual Intel, that's with two L's, that's virtual, I-N-T-E-L-L.com. Go check us out, see what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology, delivered right into your agency, and you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just, there's so much stuff, I can't even say it right. That's right, Virtual Intel, cast certified. Yeah, look, and I appreciate you sharing. I think, um, you know, back to my days as an agent, it's like, again, there are things that you do that get you paid. And then there are things that cost you time, effort, and money and create friction in the customer journey. And I think I sensed that early on where it's like, I can become an expert. I can get my CIC, my certified risk manager, my CPCU, my licensed insurance advisor, all these designations, right? And I can go chase and pursue and I can become an expert in your insurance policies, where I actually know what I'm talking about. And I can go up against anybody, any broker in your area, and I can find gaps. I can shoot arrows, poke holes, you know, throw spears, whatever the term is. Um, and I can literally craft a better program. I can get your existing agent fired, right? Because he or she didn't do his or her job. But then what? Like, th then you got to actually find a market for them. If you got that hail, that, that risk you're talking about that you heard about this morning, and it's like, wow, they got a pretty big property loss happening. Like who actually wants to touch that piece of business? No one's making money on that. It's going to hit your contingency income because they're going to have bad losses. So like, how do you craft a story around that? And then how do you get to the business owner, fill out all the paperwork? And like, look, business owners are busy and they don't have time. They don't really care. They, they don't really care about all the complexities. They don't care about all the endorsements and the exclusions like they do if they understand it, if they've been around for a while, but they like they just want to get on with their day. They, they they have a pain, they want something to just the pain to go away. And so I think when I finally was able to get these big accounts, you know, 200 employee organization, I convinced them to do business on a broker record. They signed a piece of paper which fired their agent, hired me. That's like a that's like an exciting time. Like if you're if you're the client, you're like, I'm kind of excited. Like I'm working with like somebody who's really working hard, they're trying to make my life better. And then the first thing I do is I'm like, great, Mitch, I'm so happy you signed it. And I'll sit down and I got some forms to fill out. And you're asking them questions like, do you import anything? Like, do you, do you have imports in your products? Do you have a pool? Do you support youth or sports organizations? And they're just like, what are you talking about? Right. And so I think that the first thing is like, you just got to be a master of your process, whether you're using WonderWrite or not, you, if, whether you're filling the forms out in person or on Adobe, like you just need to be an expert in the process. I think the insight with Wonderite was as a millennial insurance person, I have just been used to so many tools that make my life better. Thinking about Slack today, um, I remember back 10 years ago, my family insurance agency, I had found an open source uh, chatting program, kind of like AOL Instant Messenger that we used internally, like on the uh, internally at the agency. I was like, why are we like calling each other and like running down the halls? I can just text. I think people thought it was a little weird because it was like, yeah, we're, like, we're not, we're not using this. Right. Like, but like, I just think that we're just used to as millennials having, like, you can order pizza by clicking a button on your phone. Like you can order like a new car by like, 
clicking a button on your phone. Like, why is insurance so complicated? Why can't you get something easier? So I wanted a way to make it easy to fill out the forms that leverages the best of the stuff that's out there. So search as you type. Like Google knows what you're searching before you even finish typing it. Like, why can't we have that in insurance? Um, if I'm using Pipedrive or Salesforce, it can like pre-fill um, information about my prospect. It's the theme of enrichment. Like, why can't insurance enrich all the data that's out there? Like, we know the assessors has the data. You know, we know that like there's VIN data that's out there. Why can't we just automatically fill that in rather than how to do the work manually? And so I think we wanted to combine like a streamlined, simple process with a lot of the things that we've come to appreciate and enjoy in other areas of our life. And we're still not where we want to be hundred percent. Like we're always wanting to be improving. There's so much more that we could do. Um, but this is kind of where the product is today. Now, the interesting part is you talk about the data that's out there and it goes back to the lazy agent, non-lazy agent, because what, you, what you've got is a form just like I could go print off and handwrite, or even type an Adobe sign, and you've got documentation and information that you need to take and put it in there. It's all out in the World Wide Web, but the people who don't spend enough time going and digging for that, that's one year loss, right? It should, it, you should, at this point in time, if you're two or three years in, you should know where those resources should sit, and you need to get, get involved with going to those resources more, you know, more occasionally, instead of having to do things ask backwards and try to look all over for the address and then go to this Zillow site to see what that property says and then go to Truly site and see what that looks like. You know, th there's places that you can go find this stuff. It's just not all in one spot all the time. And I like what you guys have done with, with that material, but I also love what you've done with the VIN verification tool. Explain that VIN verification tool because um, I know I'm not the only one out there speaking that talks about how when I'm mapping up a policy, there goes back to the apps again. I'm mapping up um, an account to go get quoted. I'm mapping that up. I put the VIN numbers in. And then two, two hours later, I get an email from the underwriter saying, hey, these VINs, the, three out of these seven VINs don't add up the correct way. Can you get in, can you care, confirm these with the, um, with the client? Well, I mean, I'm not going to pick up the phone and call a client because then I look like an idiot because I'm now calling to ask and verify three or four different VIN numbers that he doesn't want to take the time to spit off 17 numbers to me. Saying the VIN verification tool. Yeah, I mean, there, you know, Joe and I got our Six Sigma green belt, talking about more education. My co-founder Joe and I in business school, Six Sigma is all about error reduction. And I think one of the concepts is pokey yoke. Like, you, um, how do you just pre prevent errors before they even happen? So, like, you ever been to like McDonald's or like Chick-fil-A or something and you go to like throw away your trash, but like you can't fit the tray in the trash because you're supposed to recycle the tray, right? Like they literally designed it so you can't make a mistake. That comes from Six Sigma because I think, yeah, I think it's called Pokey Yoke. Um, and so the same concept is true is like, well, what happens if you like, if what happens with VINs, for example, if you literally couldn't put a wrong VIN in? Now, we didn't want to 100% do that because there are some funky VINs out there and you're going to try and put it in. We're like, oh, you can't put that in. It's not right. And you're like, no, I'm telling you, this is the right VIN. It's kind of weird VIN. But what we do do is if you type in a VIN, we just want to instantly like let you know if it's right or if it's wrong if we think it's right or if it's wrong. If you really want to override us, you can be like, you know what? I don't trust you guys. I'm putting this VIN in. It's like, whatever, put your VIN in. But um, how many times is like, just like you said, someone put an O instead of a zero or like a one instead of an I or an L or something like that. Um, today in the US, 5% of VINs that are insured are inaccurate. There's an enormous cost to the industry. Um, you know, I'd say like, if it's 5% of the industry, there's a good chance that like, 
I mean, not your listeners, Mitch, because I know that they're all very accurate. They're they never all make on mistakes. Top of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. We're but, perfect. But for but for the other agencies that are out there that that are not perfect, you know, five percent are probably invalid. And we've done it. We've done it live with clients where they upload a list of two hundred VINs, and it's like, oh, like these. We highlight these four VINs potentially are invalid. Take a look at them. Um, it's not like it's not like a earth shattering revelation, but it's like a nice touch to have just packaged nicely with everything else, like with a bow tie on top. And I think that's the approach we want to take across the board's data. And that's just like Vin is just one example. And it frustrates crap out of people. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a frustrating thing in general. And I've, I've noticed it a lot more recently with more than on newer cars, like 2022s, 2021, just because they haven't gotten into the system yet. And I know how behind like Ford plants and, you know, Subaru, all these dealerships and plants right. are backed up and behind because of even something as small as the chip that activates the vehicle. Um, right. That that's to me, that's, that's different than a frustrating when you have a 2004 Ford F-150 super crew, you know, super duty crew, crew cab that you can't find. And then, you, you know, it's, it's correct potentially, but then you spend 45, 50 minutes, maybe Googling it, copying and pasting it. Where can I find this at? That you don't it, get paid for. You and your customer, exactly. frankly, doesn't care. They're like, hey, man, can you just get me my insurance? And you're like, no, Bingo. I need a list of all this stuff first. And they're like, Mitch, I like you. I want you to do the business. I don't have time Seriously. to get all this random. I don't I go on wild goose chases for you. Sure. Like, I'm, it's easier for me to just stay where I am. And like, I can just have my, tell my guy to fix a couple things, give him a call and make him feel the heat rather than trying to do all, jump through all these hoops for you. Like as an agent, you got to make it easy for them. I agree. And that's, that's the fun part about tech and also this industry is because a lot of you guys um, that are out there in the tech world, I mean, you guys are learning from each other as well. And like, I think a lot of people get the misconception of what the insurance industry is about and how it's about helping others. There's people out there, agents out there willing to share the tricks that are heck you can download the free, their free, um, you know, commercial lines rating process system. You can download all this free stuff that people are just handing out. Tech, tech, the, your guys' tech industry is such, I feel like such a family because you guys all have a different product, but they all would work in together in some sort of way. And then it goes back to understanding and, and, and operating the tech itself is not just going to operate. It's, you know, it's, you don't just plug it all together. Like it's a Christmas lights on December 25th, to light up the sun or to light up the night. And it's just all going to, you know, light, you know, go back, like work together. Um, and there's specific products, you know, that Wonderwrite is, I guess, maybe that's got relationships with that. It works together, open API stuff. Cause I know a lot, a lot of the younger agents out there are wondering what's this API I hear by talking about, you know, why is, why is someone not opening their API, et cetera? What integrates with you guys and, and how, how, where do you guys see that going in the future? Yeah. So, you know, we built, and I think just taking a step back, what is API application program interface? Um, it's kind of like a, a catchphrase way of saying like, it's easy to talk to the software. The way that you and I talk to software is we use a mouse and we like click on buttons and type and stuff. The way that computers talk to other applications is they have like command line level talking that doesn't need a user interface. And so what an API is like, hey, those endpoints, like if you click the button to send a form for signature on Wonderwrite, like how would a computer click that button using code? And that's kind of what an API is. So we've built our application API first. What that means is anything that you can do on Wonderwrite, you know, theoretically, you can do first and foremost at the command line. Um, what that means is 
any application, any function in Wonderwrite, theoretically, a computer could do without needing a human to be touching the keyboard or the mouse. This is very different than how applications were built, you know, 10, 15 years ago, where you would just have a user interface and you would have buttons everywhere and links and you'd click around and that would take you to certain workflows, but you literally would need a human to click a button or to type in order for something to happen. And they were like, you know, web programming changed over time where now more and more things are going to be built API first. It also means it's easier to build iPhone apps. It's easier to build for like different experiences. So Wonderite is built API first, first and foremost. Um, and, you know, we're working right now on like a, a simplified API. Maybe I could talk to like a Zapier, for example. Um, one of the challenges with an API is you need to have really good documentation. What that means is you need to have something that's easier for other engineers to read and to digest how your software works so they don't actually accidentally do something incorrect. So for example, you don't want someone deleting your data, right? But if they didn't read the documentation properly, or if you didn't write good documentation, it could be like really easy for someone to accidentally like delete a bunch of data or do something you don't want to have happen. So we're working on that right now is building out clear documentation with clear API endpoints. Um, so today we don't have integrations that are out there, but the foundation and the blueprints are there where everything that you do on OneDrive is built API first. Uh, that is the question I was, I was kind of hoping you'd answer that way in that, in that way, because the, the fun thing that I'm looking forward to, and I'm still not finished completing that, but the fun thing I'm, uh, I look forward to is like you said earlier, to being creative part, you know, what can I put on one place that I can send those send specific customers that want that attention, this route. And those ones that maybe want to talk to me more than those that want to sit down and have a face-to-face -face meeting, set up meeting to, you know, sit in my office. You've got, I feel like you've got to be hybrid. You've got to be able to go this way and that way for somebody when someone's asking the question. You can't say, I mean, that to a certain extent, your process can be, yeah, I'm going this way or no way. But what are you going to do for those people that do come at you and say, hey, I'd like to kind of get a quote on your website? You know, for me, as a person that understands business and understands customer service and customer experience, when someone asks, can I get a quote on your website and you tell a customer no, that makes me think, why did I just tell that customer? No, how can I, how can I become creative where I couldn't can provide that person a quote online? Cause there's a lot more people out there that are adjusting to the technology changes, not just us. Correct. So for me, I'm excited to see what else pops up, what else, you know, what other technology comes into play. Cause it's not going to be for everybody. Every piece isn't going to be for everybody. When you're competing with John Smith's insurance agency down the street, he's probably not going to have the same stuff that you've got. Right. It's just to differentiate and creating your brain and branding yourself and your process and the agency in a way that it's going to be clear and visible to the community. And for what you do, that's that's super, super important to understand. You've got to be you've got to have almost keep your keep your head on a swivel. Don't get co so combobulated in one congested of the technology. Don't get combobulated and not experiencing it because I think you need to experience it before you, you know, put it down or don't touch it anymore. But you've got to be you've got to be willing to adjust and have your head on a swivel to change in the technology world. Am I true? Am I, am I right or wrong? Yeah. And I think, you know, anecdotally, what I could share from my experience. And again, it's, it's funny to think how long ago it was. But 2011, a client was like, hey, can you fax that to me? And I was like, I literally was like on the phone and I was like, I've never done a fax before. Right. And it was almost like the inverse of like you know, someone who's been around forever and they're like, Hey, can you, can I pay via PayPal? And the person's like, 
I've never taken payment via PayPal. Like, how do I do that? Right. It's like, it's the opposite, but I think the best salespeople, they want to serve their customers the way they want to be served. And so I think, you know, it's easy to laugh about the person who wants a fax, but you know what? Like, I don't know in 2011, especially that, you know, even in the 2015s people did like, they, they were like lawyers run their whole business over fax. And I think part of it, even Massachusetts was like for security reasons, it's like, it's, for some reason falls under different regulations than like technology companies do. And so people preferred stuff with facts. Like my, my take is if your customers want it via facts, wonder, right. And we don't have this today, but like, if you want something via facts, we should have an API that can send faxes. If they want it via email, API sends it via email. If they want it snail mail, we should have an API that sends it to a mailing provider and sends it snail mail. If you want all three, it's like, all right, you do all three, right? And so I think it's it's really just like, hey, how does a customer want to be served? And how can I do it efficiently in my agency to serve my customer? How do they want to be served? Um, whether, yeah, to your point, if they want to get a quote on your website or do a Zoom screen share session and like see how the quoting process works, like whatever, like we should be on board with that. Um, or at least know where our limits of what we can and can't do efficiently are. How, how important is getting reviews? Because, you know, we talked about referrals earlier too, right? Like that should be a pretty, as you get start developing in the industry, um, you know, we, the, your referral base and your current book, the foundation that you've built should be a layer of referrals to get more business. And then those become another layer of referrals, but you got to ask for them. Um, but what comes with referrals with good clients is them having a good experience, which then you can get a good, get, a, get them to leave you a review as well. Not only is them leaving you a review, in my eyes, five different ways that you can um, create content out of that blog. You can send that on an email blast. You can make a content graphic, share it on social media. Um, you can do a video about it. And you could even almost do a video with that client giving you a review over, over their video. So there's ways that you can be creative with that content for let people know in your community that, Hey, someone left a good review and you've got 55 reviews when someone Googles it, how important is reviews, especially in the aspect of, of the digital world and market we're going to. Yeah, dude, a hundred percent. I think um, if I can just go back to one of the most memorable sales processes that I had um, with somebody who had reviews and it's kind of funny. So the guy's name is Brad Rubin. He has a company called My Archway, and they basically do IT for insurance agencies. Like that's all they do. At the time, we had had some frustrating experiences with a nice IT vendor um, that gave us pause and we're looking for a potential alternative. Brad did his whole sales spiel, which was like super chill, Southern California, which is like his, his personality. And at the end, he literally had like, I don't know, 15 or 20 laminated reviews on black paper with like the laminated like white quote and a picture of the business owner next to the business owner's logo. And it was all insurance agencies. Now you tell me if you're evaluating an IT purchase and the sales guy is like chill, gives you a cool sales process and then thumbs through and hands you 15 to 20 insurance agencies across the country that are having their feedback. Like, is that going to impact your decision or not as to if you buy and so I think it's like, it's definitely not going to make you have a worse chance of doing business together. And so I'd say reviews, absolutely. Like whether it's like a Google review or like, I don't know, Glassdoor for employees, like there's so many different review platforms. They're all like have scams on them. Like, you know, we all know that if you buy anything on Amazon, like no one trusts reviews anymore, but especially if you're working locally, having a local business owner 
who's had a really good experience with you, like a hundred percent capture that. I would say in part of my sales process, I would tell people as part of a sales process, I'd say, look, I'm a young person building my business. Part of the reason that I'm doing this work so hard is I expect that when we work together, if you have a great experience, you'd be willing to share that with some like either, you know, friends or other businesses. Um, and, and I almost like line the conversation up before I even close the deal. So it's like part of, part of working together is like, yeah, you're going to feel comfortable, like saying like what I did and what I didn't do. Did I execute what I said I wouldn't and then capture that. And I think that today more than ever, yeah, if you can have clients giving you a shout out on LinkedIn or on Twitter, it just makes it that much easier. Cause now it's public and you don't have to dance awkwardly around like, Hey, Mitch, I know you said this thing. Is it okay if I like republish it here, 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 and in an email and a podcast, but like, maybe what you could do is make a part of like, Hey, when we do business together, could we, we want to celebrate the relationship. Like, could we make an announcement on LinkedIn? And can I just have a small quote from you on LinkedIn? Like just like one sentence, keep it super easy. And honestly, like you don't want more than one sentence because that's going to sure. be too much. You want 10 words. So I'd say if I was an agent today, yeah, I'd probably try and get agent, uh, every client. I would say, Hey, for our case studies, can we do a case study and like put it on LinkedIn, put it on Twitter. And that way you created uh, like a library um, of ammunition to basically have for your next prospect. Sure. No, I like that. And, and when we buy, the buying part of the part of a buying process, like part of my process, if I go to a restaurant somewhere, if I'm in, you know, another town at a conference or whatever, when I look up steakhouses or, you know, um, coffee shop or whoever it might be, the first thing you do is you look it up. 100%. You look it up. So when people look it up and you've got two reviews and then the next coffee shop below has 122 reviews, seems like that coffee shop right there. I might go support that one just because it seems like it might be a little bit more local and small business. But you're probably going to choose the one that's got the more reviews, the people that are consistently saying good things about that, whether that's on Google or Facebook or whatever. It happens. The best ones are the ones that you get not even asking. Those are, those are the winning ones for me, right? I had one last week, excavating client that we've had insured forever. Um, he's got his, one of our, our principal owners. He's had it insured forever. He's about half the side of his family, but one of his, his sons, him and his wife are still with Allstate. Well, he shot me a message on Facebook, asked me to do a quote, boom, bang, done, issued it. I think we saved him maybe 600 bucks, five, 600 bucks. 24 hours later, didn't ask him, didn't say a word to him. I get tagged in a post on Facebook. Love it. He left me, just said it on his Facebook, on, on his feet. You know, he saved me all, all, all money. Um, we, he went with this carrier, yada, yada, yada. That to me was a bigger win than writing the business, right? Because from that you got, I got three or four other, I got three DMs immediately from his, from his friends. Now wanting to quote, because I, they, I, someone took care of their, their, their buddy. That's how the power of review works in my mind. And I think that's why it's extremely important here. So hundred percent it's, it's relationships. And like, it goes back, that's what it goes back to is like, he's basically giving you social proof and trust in the relationship. And that's why I think independent agents are going to win, by the way, when you contrast that to like big corporations, it's like Mitch did this for me. And it doesn't right. matter if Mitch is at main street insurance or Gibson insurance. It's like, I'm working Mitch. Sure. That makes, makes total sense. And I love it, which is actually kind of funny because it got me excited and does a good mood for my last favorite part of the show. It's my favorite section. It's I got five rapid fire questions. Um, sometimes they're in the correct order. Sometimes they just fly out of my mouth. I got five rapid fire questions, a little bit about you. And then ends with a serious question. I might be able to give back some advice to people uh, in this world, especially during the times that we were going through with all this 
crap and war and everything that's going that has been going on uh, currently. Um, but the first question: What's your favorite color? Blue. Blue. What's your favorite Blue. flavor of ice cream? Uh, recently, peanut butter Oreo. There's a place here in Cape Cod. It's called Somerset Creamery. It is addicting. I'll just leave it at that. I bet the ice cream in Cape Cod is just. Ugh. Unbelievable, especially in the summertime, especially in the summertime. If you could spend 24 hours with anybody dead or alive, who would it be? Um, probably my, my wife. Um, if you're saying like someone famous, Oh, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to answer that one, but yeah. 24 someone hours, maybe anyone... Anybody that you may that could learn something from, or that is maybe someone famous that you have always looked up to or that you've liked. Um, Gosh, I'm like obviously thinking recently, like Zelensky obviously is like sure, dude. What a what a leader. I mean, that is like that. I mean, th- that's just like recency bias speaking, but super amazing leadership um, there. I think, man, 24 hours. I, you know, I, I'm I'm failing this question, but I'd say like no. probably my wife or somebody who's done something cool. I think you know Zelensky obviously stands out in recent recent memory. I like it. I like the way you tied that in there. It's good. Good stuff. Uh, if you could visit anywhere in the world and either visited or, and, or visited, where would you go and why? You know, I've, I've been blessed where when I was young, I basically lived out of a backpack for uh, a long time, like probably half a year straight. And then other trips in between or afterwards, um, I've had the pleasure of going to a lot of places. I think that right now I would love to go to like Antarctica and just like do like an adventure expedition. I've had enough, like, dude, there's only so many museums you can see. There's only so many castles you can see. There's only so many temples you can go to if you're in travel mode. And it's like, I want to do something new and interesting. And it's like, if you think back to like uh, Shackleton's expedition, it's like Antarctica. It's just like, Oh my amazing. And so to be able to be part of something where you're like, I don't know, you're just trying something that's totally new and different. I think that just would be a lot of fun. You just said some good golden nugget that I love to say, and it's become become comfortable with being uncomfortable. It just leads to adventure, and you never know what what could happen. So I love that. Speaking of advice, if you could if you could give one piece of advice to anybody out in this world um, or in the industry, what would that be? Yeah, um, let's see. If I would give advice to somebody, and because the podcast is focused on young people, I would say my advice would be invest in yourself. I think companies, you know, you're going to work hard your whole life. You're going to put a lot of time in for companies. They may or may not thank you for it. They may or may not be appreciative of it. Um, They may pay you well and whatever, but I'd say like the one thing that you can't go wrong in is if you invest in yourself every day, first hour of the day, get up early. I got my CPCU in 11 months. The way I did it was I woke up every day at 5 a.m. and I read for an hour straight. And I would say like, first and foremost, especially young people, invest in yourself, invest in yourself all day. Um, number one piece of advice. I think that it, we, we, like too often it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm only going to do my CIC if my company pays for it or if they pay for half of it, I'm only going to do this. And it's like, wait, what? That doesn't make any sense at all. Sure. It's like, you should be investing in yourself first and foremost. It's your license, not anybody else's. Take care of it and then educate yourself a little bit more too. Yeah, I, I love, love, love the education piece, and I don't think us agents spend enough time educating ourselves more than we, more than we should. Uh, we all get guilty of that, but yeah, I love, love the waking up early piece. I d- adopted that about a year and a half ago, and it has changed my life personally and changed my life in my career. So that's I, I 
totally would uh, second you on that, that motion right there, Peter. Um, real quick, if anybody needed to, or wanted to get in contact with you, wanted to demo the product uh, with what you guys, what you guys have going on at Wonder, right? Which it's bright. It's got some cool stuff coming on, no pun Thank intended you. right there. Um, but how could they get in contact with you guys and uh, learn more about what you're, what you have going on? Yeah. Easiest way, check out Wonderite, W-U-N-D-E-R-I-T-E. Check out Wonderite.com. Um, you can literally see a demo of the software like on the website. There's a couple of like animated GIFs or GIFs, however it's pronounced. Um, if you go to the how it works section, if you want to talk to somebody, you can literally just click on your state and it will tell, it will direct you to the appropriate sales reps calendar. And you can literally put a time right in their calendar. Um, or you just put your email in and they can reach out to you as well. That's probably the easiest way. If you're on the road and this has happened before, um, if you're listening to this while driving um, and you wanted to make a quick call, it's 888-WONDERATE. Um, and that will hit up our sales team. And uh, if you wanted to reach out to me, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, my email is peter at wonderate.com. Like it's pretty easy. Happy to uh, happy to connect, but you're in great you're in great hands with our sales team. A lot of former insurance industry veterans, both at the insurance technology side and insurance producer side. You know, just great great teams. So you're in good hands no matter what. Absolutely. Well, I can't wait to uh, for us to put it in our put it in play at our agency. And uh, man, I'm excited because I'm so done with filling out applications galore the, the bad way. So I appreciate you guys appreciate the product that you've continued to build. I'm excited to see where it takes in the future and the things that you guys add to it and continue to grow. Um, and man, we appreciate everything you're doing for the agency. So Peter, thank you for your time. Thank you for your efforts. Um, if you have any other questions or you have anything else, now's your time to, now's your time to shine. But uh, if you don't, we'll, we'll go ahead and dismiss the show. No, this is awesome. Hey Mitch, thanks so much for what you're doing for the industry. Yeah, I love it. I love the, uh, especially the folks and young agents. I think that particularly resonates with me when I came into the industry at a time where the average agent was 60 years old and I'm 24. And I think that like what you're doing is like so very well needed. And so I just, you know, I'd say if people have more questions, I guess the one piece I'd leave here, a little nugget, um, I'm kind of working on a little bit of a book. It's a small book and it's going to be called like, I don't know, find your path in insurance or like, you know, how, how to get your start in insurance. It's just like, what are the shortcuts? It's not even shortcuts. It's just like, what's the list of things that I should probably have on my radar to do in the next, you know, first, you know, six, nine, 12 months as an agent to just like save myself a lot of learnings. And so I'd say, if you're interested, you know, follow me or connect with me on LinkedIn and like, hopefully that will be hitting, coming live in, in the next, uh, by the end of the year. That's uh, so that's like a very small secret nugget. I haven't announced it anywhere yet, Mitch. This is like being announced here first. Um, not going to be anything too too lengthy or crazy. It's just me, some simple, very actionable, and based very much my own experience in seven years at the family business. Let's do it. Well, I'm looking forward to that. If you don't already follow him, go ahead and follow him now because that book's going to become crucial. And then we'll probably do a little review on it and and, and dive into that book as well, Peter. So uh, appreciate your time, appreciate your energy, appreciate your effort and the product that you've built. Um, for me, Peter McDonald from Wonderwrite. I'm Mitch Gibson. Always remember that you can make a difference and uh, have a good rest of your day, everybody.